You're listening to the pulpit ministry of North Life Baptist Church with Pastor Harley Snowd. At North Life Baptist Church, our mission is to encourage each person to take the steps of loving God, growing together, and serving others. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.northlife.church. Now, stay tuned for today's message. It's our joy and privilege today to have with us Pastor Rands and uh, his wife Michelle is with us. They have five kids, a boy and four girls, and it's been a joy for Heidi and I to have some fellowship with them yesterday at lunch and then last night uh, our service and God used them to preach. But he pastors in, at Monclova Baptist Church uh, in Toledo. He's been there since 15 and uh, serves as the senior pastor there and he served in several other uh, positions and ministries, but we're glad to have them with us today. And uh, God used him last night, and I'm praying God will use you again today, Brother Jeremy. And so you come preach for us this morning. Lord bless you. Well, happy anniversary to you. Twelve years. That's a long time. How do you remember 12 years in your marriage? Nobody? Okay. Do you remember 12 years? They were the greatest 12 years of my life. That's why I remember them. Twelve years. What a wonderful, wonderful testimony that is. Uh, turn with me to Romans chapter 15, if you would. I appreciate your pastor. I, I have grown to really love him, and we're so opposite. We, um, we spent uh, about, uh, I don't know, 10 days or so together in February of last year, and he is like so clean and proper. We're in, in India, and he's ironing his clothes, and I'm like just taking them out of my suitcase, you know, dusting them off, putting them on, and he's got like a rock and an iron and like an old-fashioned out there, and giving them to the Indians there to uh, clean his clothes and freshen them up. And I'm just putting on a dirty, you know, T-shirt from the day before. And he, um, he's so proper. He, he knows when to use me and I. And I love that about him. So I just, I do the safe one, Michelle and I, for everything. But uh, he knows when to use I and when to use me. And, and uh, I said to Michelle yesterday, I, he's just so smart. He's just so smart. I don't, I, uh, I've really learned to love him though. I've said to my wife on several occasions how much I appreciate him in his friendship. He's so steady as well and like, like a rock and I'm a mess, you know. We'll talk and he'll say, yeah, it's all right. You know, the world's falling apart and everybody's getting this big plague and, you know, we're going to have church and <laughs> praise the Lord. Jesus thinks. And I'm like, the world's falling apart. Like, I'm saying, Michelle, we're not going to, I'm, I'm like hoarding cereal. I went and got like <laughs> 20 boxes of cereal in my cabinets. And I mean, we got things, we got potatoes that are rotten for like the last year now. We have, the reason why there was a shortage on toilet paper, we bought it all. <laughs> we, I mean, we have a basement full of this and hand sanitizer. And I mean, it, that's just the way I handle things. And then you're, there's your pastor, like, yeah, you know, Jesus, he's in control, and everything's going to be fine. And I mean, what's the worst? We're going to go to heaven. And I'm like, but I'm not ready, you know. I, wanna, I want grandchildren first. And so I, I appreciate him. I appreciate him so much. And um, I, I really do. Every time we talk, we don't get to see each other much. Ten days in India with me was enough. <laughs> he, um, but we, we talk, and... I just see what God's doing here, and it's exciting. It really is exciting to see God working. Twelve years for a church is, is really unheard of. Most church plants don't last five years. 
and um, those that do, they, most of them won't last 10 years, and you, um, you've made it. That means you've arrived, and that means everything's easy from this point forward. You know, it's, it's official. You have made it, and uh, so congratulations today. Turn with me to Romans chapter number 15, if you would, please. If you are saved, you're saved to serve. Aren't you thankful for people that serve in the local church? What would church be? I say to our church often, church is not a spectator sport. You don't just come to see what's going to happen that day. You're a part of what happens that day. Every single time you come together, you are making church history. Think about that. Heaven cares about what's being accomplished today right here at your church. Heaven, I believe, is rejoicing as you're celebrating 12 years of ministry here in your community. I mean, this is a big deal. God is fully aware and encouraged and desiring to bless what is being accomplished here at this church. Like, you're getting God's attention. Isn't that amazing? I remember when I was younger, I wanted to get my wife's attention. She wasn't my wife at the time. Um, but I wanted to get her attention. I'd do anything I could to get her attention. How many of you remember that? Not my wife, but you, your, your wife's attention. How many of you remember that? How many of you, you're not going to raise your hand no matter what I ask today. I have a $100 bill. Who wants it? Wow, this is a really disciplined church. Do not raise your hand. This is not a Baptocostal place at all, huh? You can raise your hand if I ask a question, all right? You don't lose your salvation if you do that, I promise. But church, I, again, I, 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 oh, I've already said that. I'm on to my wife now, aren't I? But getting her attention, getting God's attention, God is very keen. He understands. He knows what's happening here in this place. Of all the things that are happening in the world, you have God's attention. And the church is an important place. The church is not something that man has made up. The local church is ordained by God. It's what God uses to work his will and his plan in this world. And we get to be a part of it. All of us are called to minister. All of us are called to be servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just for those that are paid. It's not those that are called into full-time ministry. Every single person here in this room is a part and should be a part of what God is doing here in this place. And so as the church celebrates 12 years, you're celebrating 12 years of serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me in Romans 15. And uh, we're going to look at a couple different places here in this chapter. And then we'll go back and read some verses here in Romans 15, but we're going to stay here today, and I want you to see something here, and just mark these. I know you don't raise your hand, but do you mark things in your Bible? Okay, good. Romans 15, verse 8. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister. Would you mark that word minister? A minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. Look with me in verse number 16. Would you follow me there? That I should be the what? The minister. Would you mark that word? Minister? Minister? 
that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Look with me in verse number 25 of the same chapter. Paul writes this, but now I go into Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. We see this word minister. Jesus was a minister. Paul says, I'm going to minister to the Gentiles. Now Paul says, I'm going to go and minister unto Jerusalem, to the, to, the, to the saints there in Jerusalem. Look with me in verse number 31. Would you follow me there? That I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service, that word service is that same word, means the same word as that word minister. A service, a minister, ministering, a, my service, my ministry, which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints. Look with me in chapter number 16, verse number 1. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant or a minister of the church. That word service and that word ministry. Servant. is the same word there. As we read through this chapter, we see this word ministry and minister and service. And they all are meaning the same thing here. And in ministry is the theme here that we find in Romans chapter 15 and Romans chapter 16. There is no such thing as an inactive church member. There's no such thing. Now, on our computer program, we have often, unfortunately, we have so many inactive. But the truth is, if you're a part of a local church, you are not an inactive church member. Every single member of this church is a minister and that ought to make you an active player have an active role what you do is vitally important i say this to our church so very often every single person ought to be so involved that if you miss a sunday something major goes undone Something important doesn't take place because every single person that is a part of a local church has an active role. Every member is either part of the team or helping not to help the church move forward. You're either helping the church or you're hurting the church. Every member that is helping the church is actively serving, actively involved, actively being a part of others' lives or you're inactive. And this message is to every person in our church today. Every single person here, as we look at this passage of Scripture, I want to challenge you in this area of service. Now, I know in a church like this, I saw last night, and I, 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 really, I really enjoyed, I stayed late last night just because I liked watching people serve. I, I, I mean that. We're sitting there, and people are cleaning up all around us. And it was enjoy. I saw people moving chairs, moving tables, setting things up, vacuuming our mess. I put crumbs on the floor after I ate just to see them clean them up. It was, it was fun to see. It was enjoyable to see people serving. I, I watched the video or some pictures last evening as, as your pastor was telling about, about setting things up and setting chairs up. And, you know, sometimes we get to a place in church, if we're not careful, once a church has kind of made it, after it kind of has arrived, we don't work and we don't do the things that caused our church to become what it was. And some of the greatest memories of a church is a church that serves together. 
I grew up in church. My parents were in the ministry my entire life, and the greatest memories I've had were in church. I mean, I knew every nook and cranny of every building we were ever in. I, I remember, I remember, I don't remember a single message my dad preached, but I remember <laughs> sitting there, and I remember looking around and seeing people and, and the things that we were involved in, and all my, all my life, all I remember is being involved in the church, serving in the church, working in the church, laboring in the church. And I want to challenge every single person here today, and we'll get to whatever, how many points I'm able to get here today, but I want you to go to the beginning of Romans chapter 15 with me. We see this theme throughout Romans 15 as minister, ministering, service. Jesus was a minister. Paul said, I'm going to follow the example. I'm going to minister. Phoebe was a minister. She served the church. Look at me in verse number one. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities. What's the Bible say? Of the weak. That's service. Bearing the infirmities. That's, that's ministry. That's ministering. How do you bear the infirmities? We, we minister to those that are, that are weak, those that have infirmities, and not to please ourselves. We don't do it for ourselves. We do it for others. We do it for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it was written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scripture, might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Jesus Christ, that ye may with one mind, and don't miss this, church, that ye that with one mind and one mouth glorify God. Why do we minister? Why do we meet? Why do we do what we do? Why do we put up with the things we put up? Why do we, why do we get involved in the local church? For one reason, so that God receives glory. That ye may with one mind in one mouth glorify God, even the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. That word consolation there is encouragement. Look with me in verse number five again. Now the God of patience, aren't you glad God has patience? Not only your pastor has patience, but aren't you glad that God has patience? When we don't deserve it, he was long-suffering. Aren't you so glad that it wasn't the first time you heard the gospel if you didn't accept it, that was it? but God allowed you to continue to hear the gospel and continue to hear the gospel? Aren't you glad that he was patient and long-suffering with you? And now that you are saved, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, aren't you glad that he doesn't demand perfection? But he's patient? And not only is he patient, the Bible says he encourages. Now, I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes someplace in your heart, please put this. Every single member ought to be involved in service. And one of those great services that we ought to be involved in is in encouragement. The service of encouragement. We need to encourage one another. I love encouragement. How many of you need encouragement? Oh, you don't raise your hand. I'm sorry. One person. Amen. If you would raise your hand today, how many of you would agree 
You need encouragement. Yes. Yes, see they're raising their hand now. We're getting somewhere here. Praise the Lord. We need encouragement. Last night when I came to church, it was encouraging. This morning, as I walked through the door, there was a, a fellow there that shook my hand. And I know he didn't mean it, but he said, great message last night. That was encouraging to me. It's encouraging. We come to the house of God. We ought to be encouraged. We ought to look to encourage people. I'm sure like this church is the same as our church. There are people that are hurting today. Seven years ago today, my wife got the word that her brother died. He was 32 years old. I woke up this morning, the first thing in my mind was the fact that my wife needed encouragement. I went down, I got her a stale donut from the breakfast bar and brought her back up there. Encouraged her today. You know, we go through living in this world that's difficult. Just because we're saved, it doesn't mean that we don't go through the trials of this world. You know, churches and Christians went through 2020. Christians lost their jobs. Christians were concerned. Christians got sick. I've done funerals of people that died from COVID. We have a, a faithful family in our church. Her uh, lady, her brother-in-law died, and two weeks later... Her sister died. We buried on the same day. We had a funeral for a husband and wife that passed two weeks apart from each other due to this virus. You know, we need encouragement. We face the trials and the difficulties of this world. We go through stresses. We, we go through problems in this world. And church, we need those that have the service of encouragement. The Bible tells us in verse number one, go back there with me if you would, please. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. You know what that means? Strong Christians encourage weak Christians. When, you know, and, and the other thing, realize this, you are not always a strong Christian. We're humans. Oh, I, I, there's times I, I get up and I preach and I pretend that everything is okay, but inside I am weak. I get up and I, I'll preach. Last week was the anniversary that my father passed away. And I got up and I preached. And I was, I was preaching that service. All I could think about was the time I preached and my father's casket was there in front of the pulpit. But I, but I had to continue to preach. But inside, I'll tell you, I was falling apart. I told my wife this morning, several close friends text me on that day and just said, I'm praying for you today. A fellow that texted me on that day last week, the anniversary of my father's death, texted me this morning. The same person texted me and said, I'm praying for you this morning. I'm praying for your wife this morning. Let her know that I care about her. And I said to my wife, I told her who it was, and I said, he's such a good friend. That he would even put that on his calendar, that he would even remember that, that he would take the time just to encourage someone today. I know that if you've ever been encouraged, I know that you'd admit today that encouragement is needed in the body of Christ. The Bible tells us this in verse number one, that we're not here to please ourselves. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, church, sometimes we like things to be the way that we like things to be. If we come to the house of God for us, we miss out on the opportunity to encourage someone else. Strong Christians, 
those that are walking with God, those that are, are strong in their faith, those that are going through great seasons of victories, what they do when they're going through those seasons, they on purpose look out for those that are weak, for those that are struggling, for those that are weary. And they come and they minister this service of encouragement. Verse number two, the Bible tells us this as well, that we're here to serve each other. Look with me again. Verse number two, let every one of us please his neighbor. Now, we learned last night, who is our neighbor? Someone tell us. Okay, we got you raising your hand, now we're going to get you talking. (laughs) Who's our neighbor? Everybody. Even people you don't know. So the first time someone that's been in the church, that signed the charter member, the guest today in the church, guess what? They are our neighbor, and we are to service them. We are to serve them. We are to minister to them, the Bible says. God wants us to be together, to encourage one another, to lift up one another. The Bible teaches us this. We need to get our eyes on the glory of God and learn to serve someone else. Because when we serve, God receives glory. And I know today you would, you would agree with me. We desire for God to be glorified. You know, Satan would rather a church bicker, fight over details, fight over structure, fight over organization, fight over money, fight over property, fight over personal hurts, have misunderstandings. That's what Satan would rather us do. He'd rather divide the church. But church, I would encourage you on this anniversary and on future anniversaries, and if the Lord tarries is coming, when you've been here 24 years celebrating what God is doing here in this church, let's keep our eyes and let's keep our focus on the glory of God, on who He is. And what he is doing. We need to encourage one another. We need to have patience with one another. No one, no one at all, one of the gifts that I've learned. Now, I've met people that think they have this gift. But no one has the gift of criticization. Nobody is allowed to criticize. That's not a gift that God gives us. But God does give us the service of encouragement. I would ask you today, who have you encouraged? Who are you seeking to encourage? Go with me this same chapter, Romans chapter 15. Let's look at verse number 8. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. That circumcision, that word... There, he's speaking specifically to the Jews. Jesus came to the lost sheep of the home of Israel, to the house of Israel. He came to to seek those and and, and give those the gospel. Jesus came to bring the the Jewish nation to a saving faith in him. Not so that the Jews alone would be saved, but that all the nations of the world would be saved I want you to write this down. Number one, there's a service of encouragement. Number two, there's a service of evangelism. 
I would encourage the church on this anniversary Sunday, encourage one another. You need encouragement. Number two, evangelize. Don't ever get to the place where other things become more important than reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was just sharing with your pastor this morning. I had a, 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 a speaker. He's not a pastor, but he, was, he speaks in churches. And, and he said this, and I almost, I just, I, I, I didn't know what to do when he said this. And he said this in our church. He, he said this. He said that, that churches need to realize that, that, that the gospel doesn't have to be preached every week. We're already saved. And when he said that, I, I thought, What? He says, we don't need 52 sermons every year on the gospel. And I thought to myself, we have people in our church every Sunday morning that people have brought the church, that have encouraged to come. They brought them to the house of God so they could hear the gospel. God forbid we ever be a place where something is more important than preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Six years ago when I went to Monclova, I had an elderly lady come to me and she said, Pastor, we need to do more for elderly people in our church. I said, I agree. I said, what ideas do you have? I thought she was going to say, let's do a lunch every so often. Or let... She said, I think the church ought to buy, you know those big, huge charter buses? I said, yeah. I said, like those $100,000 buses? She says, those are the ones. And she said, these ones that have bathrooms in the back, they're really comfy. They're like, have you ever flown first class in an airplane? She says, they all have seats just like a first class seat on an airplane. And she said, I think that we ought to get one of those buses. And I said, oh, are you donating? She said, no, no, the church needs to buy one of these buses. <laughs> and she said, we need to take monthly trips all across the country. I said, okay. And she said, now, elderly people, sometimes we have medical issues. And so we're going to need to rent a doctor to go on this bus with us. And I looked at her. I thought she was joking. So I did what you would do if somebody's telling you a joke. You laugh. And she looked at me and she said, I'm not kidding. And I realized she was serious. And I said, ma'am, you don't want a church. You need to not find a pastor. You need to find yourself a travel agent. You need to go on a Disney cruise or something of that sort, but that's not the job of the church. Now listen to me, I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed to taking trips, and I'm not opposed to, to well, I am opposed to hiring, hiring doctors. They're expensive. Any doctors in here? But listen to me, that's not the purpose of the church. And sometimes if we're not careful, we begin to think that there's other reasons and other uh, things that we exist for. But why do we exist? We exist for two reasons. The Bible says to preach the gospel to every living creature. And Paul said to Timothy, preach the word. The church has to be involved in evangelizing and discipleship. And those are the two most important things the church should be doing. And everyone ought to be involved in this. Jesus came to seek and save that which were lost. And he has now called, allowed the church, he's called the church, he's commanded for the church to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Look with me in verse number 16 of this same chapter, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Paul got it. 
Paul said Jesus came to minister to the circumciser. He came to give the gospel to tell the Jews. And now I'm going to follow the plan that Jesus sent out. I'm going to be a minister to the Gentiles. I'm going to evangelize. Paul said Jesus came to minister. Now I am going to minister. Oh, listen to me. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And we now have that same command to go into all the world, church, are you ministering in the area of evangelism? Listen, we can sing, we can teach, we can give, but we all should be bringing souls to Jesus Christ. I met with a fellow one time and he said this, I just don't have the gift of evangelism. I said, that doesn't get you off the hook. Every one of us should be giving the gospel to every person we can. Because if you are not giving the gospel, and I, I can say this because I'm leaving this afternoon, but if you are not giving the gospel message to the lost world, you're not right with God. You're not. A Christian that's right with God does what God has called us to do. We've been called to minister. We've been called to evangelize. Followers of Jesus Christ should be following his model. Church, congratulations on 12 years of following that model and seeing people reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ here in this community. We can never get so consumed with what we like. We can never get so consumed with our way. Church cannot just get to the place where it's right for me and my preferences that we lose sight that we're ministering to people. Our motivating purpose is to reach people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you, church, continue to do that. Continue to allow that to be your banner. Rally around each other, encourage each other so that you can go forth and evangelize this community, this state, this nation, and this world. Look with me in verse number 25 of the same passage of Scripture. Now, but now I go into Jerusalem. We see this word again, to minister. I go to Jerusalem to minister. Verse number 26. For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Archaea to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily and their debtors that they are. For the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things. Their duty is also to minister, see that word again, unto them in carnal things. Would you write this down, number three? Number one is the service of encouragement. Number two, the service of evangelism. Number three, the service of giving. Every church member ought to be involved in this area of giving. I don't know how your pastor is. He probably does. He, everything he does is perfect. But for me, you know, the one area that I find it difficult, we just, we just cast a vision to our church. We're going to build a 22,000 square foot addition. And um, someone came to me after that and said, so how are you going to, what are you going to do? How are you going to promote this? How are you going to ask a church? And I said, I'm not going to ask them for any money. And they're like, you're not going to ask? I'm like, no. Why? Because I don't like to. 
They said, well, how are you going to get the money? I said, I'm just going to pray that the Holy Spirit of God like, convicts them and just, they just start bringing money to the church. And they said, don't you think it'd be a better thing for you to come up and at least let people know they can give? And so I said, that's a good idea. I'm going to bring Pastor Harley Snowd in, and he can tell our people they need to give money. No pastor likes to talk about giving. The Gentiles in Greece took an offering for them in Jerusalem. You, re you realize this? I know you do. Twelve years of faithfulness is because people in this church chose to encourage each other. Twelve years of faithfulness is because people in this church chose to evangelize the lost. And this church is also here because some chose to give. What a beautiful place this is. I saw the history, the pictures of it last night. And the excitement and, and all the things that you were doing to, to be able to have a church... How many of you thank God for this place that you can meet? It's because of the faithfulness of people that served through giving. We do this because we're debtors to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we give. We do this because of his precious blood that he shed for us. Why would it pain us to give to Jesus? We give so that gospel tracts can be purchased. I love, I, I'm just one of those weird guys. I walk out of church. I rate a good Sunday, not necessarily on how many people are at the altar, but how many tracts are gone out of the track rack. When I leave after Sunday, I look at the track racks. If they're full still, I'm like, oh, people don't care about Jesus. If it's empty, I'm like, yeah. We're going to tell somebody about Jesus. Now, they take them now. I tell them that. They take them, they just throw them in their car now. They're like, it's encouraged the preacher, like you said, first point. Put them in the car, don't give them out. I don't know. But why do we give? We give so that we can put door hangers on doors and we can give out gospel tracts and, and so that Bible studies can be taught. We give so that the gospel can go out. We at our church, we have a TV program, so if you live in Toledo, you can watch me every Sunday night on TV. And so everywhere we go, my kids are like, Dad, do you know everybody? I'm like, I don't know anybody. They just know me. We go out and people are like, you're the guy on TV. You sure have gained weight. I'm like, just be quiet. I was in the store. I was in a shopping store, a small little mom and pop type grocery store next to our house there. And I was with my daughter and I went in. I was going to make my wife a salad. They've got these places you could just put, you know, salads and together, and I just go to the cottage cheese and fill it with cottage cheese, but for my wife, I put out like a nice, healthy salad together, and my daughter said, Dad, I got to use the restroom. This is a couple years ago, my youngest, and so she went to the restroom, and I forgot. How many of you ever went into a store with a child and you forgot you were with that child? <laughs> I forgot she was with me. And so I said to her, head over there and come right back here. Well, I left. Not the store, but just not the... There was a lot better things to look at than the salad bar, you know? And so I'm moving around the store. I'm looking at all the good stuff that this store has to sell us. And, and I forgot I was with my daughter. And while I was doing that, this fellow walks up to me and he says, Hey, you are the guy from TV. I'm like, yes, sir. And he says, I listen to you every Sunday night. And I mean, my head got this big. I said, would you like my autograph? I mean, what are you asking me for here? And, 
And so he said, boy, I appreciate your ministry. He said all these beautiful things, and I thought, this is wonderful. And it's his fault because of all of his compliments, I forgot even more I was with my daughter. And so I'm walking through the store, and this lady walks up to me. Now, I just had a guy tell me how great I am. This lady walks up to me with my daughter crying. She says, what kind of father are you? I said, a good one. And she said, you've left your daughter. She's over there crying. And she can't find you. And she's, she's like ruined all the lettuce now because she's crying over the lettuce, you know, waiting for you to come back. She thought you left. I mean, she's, she's just telling me how horrible of a dad that I am. And I just said, I'm sorry. And I took her and we were getting ready to leave. We're in line and I hear a guy behind me. He says, there he is. The guy I was telling you about. I knew who that was. And I turn around and his wife standing next to him says, there he is, the guy I was telling you about. One person thinks I'm the greatest thing. His wife thinks I'm the worst thing. She says, I'm not watching him anymore. You're right, he has gained weight, you know. <laughs> it costs a lot of money. We have a family in our church that every single year gives tens of thousands of dollars. I can't tell you how many people write us letters and tell us how encouraged they are by what they hear. I can't tell you how many people that have written us and told us they've received Jesus Christ as their Savior because somebody was willing to give so that the gospel can go out. Parents have a place for their kids. When they come into the house of God, aren't you so glad there's a place, there's a curriculum, there's an opportunity for your children to hear the gospel? It's because of your giving. Missionaries can be sent because of your giving. The gospel can go forth and preached at funerals and in and, and places in the community because you give. And the staff can go and minister. You see, giving is a wonderful thing. Invest in eternity. Someone once said that, you know what, you can't take it with you. And I disagree with that. If you spend it on yourself and you spend it on wasteful things, you're right. It's not going anywhere. It's going to burn up one day. But if you invest in eternity, you're going to see the rewards in heaven. Invest in eternity. Invest in something that, that counts. You can take it to heaven with you. Yes, you can. If you put it in investment that glorifies God. Next, I want you to see this, and my time is done. Actually, my time is finished today. Church, will you serve? If you have served, you say, that's, that's me, then would you then recommit to another decade of serving the Lord in this local church? If you're here today and you're not serving in an area of encouragement or the area of evangelism or the area of giving, would you decide today that I am going to be an active part in this local church so that God receives glory? Would you bow in prayer with me? Father, help us today, I pray.